Even before the COVID-19 pandemic, some people shunned vaccines because of concerns about their safety or the inconvenience of inoculation or other reasons. But in order for the pandemic to fully end and for normal social life to resume, we need almost everyone to get vaccinated. What are the five most common reasons for vaccine hesitancy? And how can we convince everyone that they should get the shot? From the University of California, Irvine, I'm Aaron Orlowski, and you're listening to the UCI Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Sue Ellen Hopfer, who is an assistant professor in the program in public health at UCI. Professor Hopfer, thank you for joining me today on the UCI Podcast. Great to be here. Thanks. So the the COVID-19 pandemic will be over when we reach herd immunity, and we're going to be able to reach herd immunity by successfully vaccinating a significant majority of people. Um, But at the same time, a lot of folks have expressed some hesitancy about getting the vaccine. So I wanted to ask you, how many people need to be vaccinated for us to get to that herd immunity level? And then from the surveys that you've read and seen, how many people are actually expressing hesitancy about the vaccine? Good questions, Aaron. To reach herd immunity, we need at least 70 to 90% of our population vaccinated. So we still have quite a bit, you know, a ways to go. As far as vaccine hesitancy, there have been national and local surveys that have waxed and waned. So we have national surveys back in a year ago. Um, estimated about 60% willing to vaccinate. Then in the fall, it went down. Then in the past winter, it's gone back up. It's it's increasing with at least 70% of the population willing to vaccinate or or saying they are, um, although it, it differs depending on parts of the country or different populations. I think it's growing as more and more people vaccinate and witness their friends and uh, networks vaccinating. They're okay and they're in uh, good health. So I think the vaccine confidence is growing, but there's still a substantial group of people. You know, there's about 18 to 20% of people who are unsure and, and another 10 to 15% who are really not willing to vaccinate. It seems like people believe that there's they have a choice between either getting the vaccine or not getting the vaccine. But the choice is a lot more complicated than that. And it's not binary like that. Right. So when we talk to people about considering vaccinating, um, we hear people often making a false choice. Mm. There's this hyper awareness about the possible side effects of the vaccine Uh, which should be considered, people should be educated and consider this, but the comparison to just status quo or not vaccinating is really a false choice. It should really be compared to the possibility of acquiring COVID-19 and getting sick, which can lead to serious illness. And people tend to assume that it's not going to happen to me. I'm not going to be the person who gets COVID-19. Exactly. The status quo or going, you know, about business as usual, it led us into quite a disastrous 
pandemic where the entire economy shut down. And that's why we need to be proactive um, and do everything we can to to stop the transmission and spread of the virus um, so that we can get out of this pandemic and resume our the social activities that we love and, and get back to work. Well, experts have been studying hesitancy, vaccine hesitancy for years now, uh, including yourself. And, and there are some certain reasons that people tend to give for expressing hesitancy. So what are those reasons? So we know from communication and psychology research that there are five universal reasons of why people tend to be unsure, hesitate to vaccinate across all vaccines, across all countries. And there may be a constellation of reasons. It's also called the 5C model. It was put together sort of more formally beginning in 2012, uh, working with the World Health Organization. These are about vaccine confidence, which relates to trust and concerns about safety and the process of vaccine development. There's vaccine confidence, there's vaccine complacency, which relates to perceiving yourself at low risk or that you don't need to vaccinate. Then there are constraints, which relate to practical barriers, concerns about cost, time, I'm too busy, I've got a stressful life, or I work all day, I have two jobs. Um, So cost and time or access. Um, this, This is the third C. Collective responsibility is the fourth C, which is about either vaccinating for others or actually believing, well, if everybody else vaccinates, then I'll basically be a vaccine free rider that I don't need to because everybody else is. And the last one is calculation is where you over, you're an information seeker and you're really weighing the, the benefits and risks to the extent that your personality, that you're risk averse and you're just hesitant to vaccinate. Well, I want to come back to those five reasons in a, in a little bit, but I want to ask, first of all, um, about some work that you're doing here locally in Orange County, um, where you're interviewing parents and students about their attitudes towards the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, so what are you finding with that research right now? It's very interesting. We've been able to talk to families and parents as well as high school and middle schoolers in Orange County. We've interviewed 46 families so far and sampled families across race, ethnicity, occupation, multi-generational households, kids with chronic conditions. And we talked to them kind of about four areas, their past experiences vaccinating, their thoughts and concerns and questions, as well as motivators for considering vaccinating their kids come this summer, and then their trusted information sources they turn to, and what would they like to know. We also asked them, what's their intent to vaccinate? And so we have really a split. We have 45% of parents willing to vaccinate their children, 11% responded no, and 43% responded they're unsure about vaccinating their kids. We have currently the Pfizer vaccine is available and included 16-year-olds and older. And currently, Pfizer and Moderna had clinical trials of 11 to 17-year-olds, up to 3,000 kids enrolled. And they'll be coming out with those results in June. They're very promising. And so probably this summer, they'll be offering these vaccines to 
adolescence and possibly preteens. So, so we talked to families whose children were from between sixth grade and 12th grade. And from the parents, so we had of these five uh, C's that we know, three of the five really emerged in conversations with parents and kids. The number one was vaccine confidence, which which involves, again, trust about the process, safety um, of the vaccines, ingredients, long-term effects. These are questions that parents and kids have. And, and they're being increasingly, uh, at least the high school students, students were increasingly confident as they witnessed their parents and their teachers vaccinating and began to have their questions answered about the vaccine through school webinars um, with experts. This really helped these Mm -hmm. um, community educational webinars that are being offered to the community, you know, almost every week uh, in Orange County. There are a lot of different entities working hard, UCI, as well as community groups, trying to reach families and communities with education. Uh, so this was vaccine confidence. Then there was also complacency that a lot of uh, families felt that their children were not at risk huh. or that the risk was manageable. Uh, and then calculation was this risk-benefit consideration for children, given that they're they're less likely to become very sick, but that doesn't mean it's not possible. There have been actually at least 2 million reported cases of COVID-19 among children with at least uh, 200 or more, that was already a few months ago, who have actually died from COVID-19. So it's not negligible. Um, it's not that it it can't happen, especially with um, new variants emerging where young people do get uh, seriously ill. Um, so those were some of the concerns that emerged among families when we talked to them. Motivators to vaccinate was also interesting, uh, and it really included they wanted to hear strong recommendations from their clinicians, from their pediatricians. Mm. I think that goes a long way, and we need to prepare our pediatricians to be able to confidently and talk about this with families, as well as some parents said school requiring vaccination. I, I, I actually don't think that will I don't anticipate that happening. Some parents are worried about that. Others shared that that would motivate them to vaccinate their children. And being, but most importantly, being able to return to social activities and and travel, family travel without worrying that they might put vulnerable others at risk and improving mental health of their kids and and the whole family was, was a big compelling reason also to vaccinate. Well, and this is your area of expertise uh, about how to communicate effectively around these public health issues. And specifically, uh, you looked at one point at communication campaigns related to adolescents who were taking the HPV vaccine. Um, So, you know, a younger age cohort, just like with this Orange County study. Um, So from, from your experience there, what are the key ingredients in developing and implementing an effective public health messaging strategy? Very good question. There's a number of points. I would say tailoring the message uh, and normalizing the message. 
the the way I have approached reaching families with adolescents with voluntary vaccines like the HPV vaccine is actually interviewing families and um, adolescents and capturing decision stories of, about vaccinating. Um, I actually began with young adults um, at the time, mm-hmm. capturing dis- sort of these vaccine decision stories from from people and tra- and translating that into um, scripts and short films that mm. where it really resonates, you know, sort of authentic storytelling um, integrated with factual some factual information that's and medical information that's relevant to know, but capturing this within decision stories that resonate as authentic um, in in relatable ways. So I try to listen to the people uh, we're we're trying to reach, and then um, take what they they tell us into consideration to tailor these messages. Well, so when you look at how public health officials are currently messaging around the COVID nineteen vaccine, how are they doing? I think they're doing. I mean, it's a moving target. <laughs> Things change every. Uh, they're they're different issues that seem to come up every week. And so adapting to that rapidly, to responding to that, um, to avoid uh, information gaps, which can then easily be filled with misinformation. So um, responding to the changing information and answering people's questions and, and using many different channels sort of a, some people call it an integrative marketing approach, but to use a coordinated effort to, through many different platforms to try to reach as many people as possible. Reaching people and convincing them to, to get the vaccine and, and sharing that information with them. It's not, you know, it's not a one and done thing. It's very dynamic. And it's not just a a single effort, you know, yes. it's a, a dialogue and it's a, a constant effort to to reach people wherever they're at, if that's yes. on social media or advertising or whatever else. Yes. And and emphasizing that it is a dialogue and we want to share information that's understandable and that they can process to make informed decisions about vaccinating. Well, let's get back to those five reasons, the five C's that you mentioned a little bit ago. So this is a lightning round of questions. I'll say a reason why someone might not want to get the vaccine, and then you tell me why I should still get it. Does that sound good? Okay, sounds good. All right. So what if uh, I'm just not confident that I trust the safety of the vaccine? So we've had 140 million people in the United States receive the vaccine already without serious side effects, uh, can be checked also at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention with updated information. The vaccines that are available in the United States are very safe. And you can also consider maximizing a positive experience with vaccinating by getting good sleep and uh, (laughs) getting up and vaccinating early in the morning and resting the available evidence is on the CDC website, and so far the evidence is that these vaccines are very safe. What if I feel complacent? You know, I'm I'm healthy, I'm young, and I'm just, I don't feel like I'm at risk. 
This is where I can only say uh, many people have underestimated the risks of COVID-19 and uh, the status quo has led us into a disastrous pandemic where we had to shut down everything, which has the economic consequences as well as lots of people losing their lives and lots of tragedy. So that's why it's important to prioritize and be reminded of being proactive and vaccinating to help prevent the continued transmission of this virus. What if I'm just so busy, uh, I don't have time to get an appointment, there are just too many constraints? And this is where I would say the vaccine is free. There's no cost of vaccinating. You can get it at a local pharmacy uh, when it works for you. I would go to myturn.california.gov in California uh, to look up Uh, You enter your information. It's available to everyone now. Make it happen. It's available in different places, different offices, pharmacies, sites. And it's really important for everybody to chip in and prioritize this. They're making it available and it doesn't cost anything. So um, that's where the government and everyone has done a, a great job trying to lower those barriers. And, and I should mention, too, that if you're a member of the UCI community, a student, staff, or faculty member, um, the, the coronavirus team is helping those members of the UCI community to schedule appointments. So if you just go to the UCI Forward website, you can call the phone number and um, they'll help you find an appointment because I know it is challenging to, to get those appointments. Yes. UCI and public health have, and, and lots of uh, schools across the university have been putting in a lot of time and effort to try to reach out and, and make the information and vaccinating accessible. The next reason. So what, what if I feel like everyone else is doing it? The sense of collective responsibility just isn't there because, uh, you know, I don't need to. Well, this is again where I would say, you know, for social reasons, if you want to resume social activities and travel uh, without putting vulnerable others at risk, this would be a great reason, not only just to protect yourself, but also, you know, if you have vulnerable others in your family or network. And then what if uh, I have just done all the research, I've read a thousand articles, and I've done all the calculations, and I'm just not sure? And this is where I would say again, the benefits outweigh the risks. The available vaccines are actually a rare case of uh, vaccine immunity being much more robust than natural immunity. Uh, Without the lingering long-term effects of if you actually get COVID-19. You know, we have friends who are still using inhalers to be able to walk upstairs six to nine months later Mm -hmm. or not regaining their sense of smell ever, um, having long neurological cardiovascular depression uh, lingering effects. This virus really has some nasty long-term effects. The vaccines are available Uh, They're free, they're amazingly effective, uh, and they have very little side effects. They're safe. Uh, This is a much better alternative than the possible risks when acquiring uh, COVID-19. So we've talked a lot about all the information that that people can access uh, as they're weighing this vaccine decision. But what do you think will be the ultimate reason that people will, will get it or not? 
I think that we need to normalize vaccination and and have clinicians and public health folks, you know, reminding us about prioritizing this and the importance of uh, vaccinating. The social reasons that we all want to resume social activities and see our friends and family and feel safe. Um, we want to resume travel, for also for our mental health, um, and we want to get out of this pandemic and not be fearful or regretful. And so this is one very important tool, vaccinating, that will help us get there. Professor Hopper, thank you for joining me today on the UCI podcast. Thank you so much. The UCI Podcast is a production of Strategic Communications and Public Affairs at the University of California, Irvine. Please subscribe to the UCI Podcast wherever you listen.